Welcome to Purpose Church. It is my always favorite place to be on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, Pastor Aaron sends his love to you guys this evening. He is traveling with our older son, London. They are on a special birthday, boys to men trip, um, having a really good time, but they send their love. Yeah, come on, bring it on. Bring it on. Lincoln and I are holding down the fort here. We love you guys. Awesome. Well, I am excited to be bringing the word to you tonight. Um, this is so interesting with these lights on. I'm sorry. I'm like, hold on. I can see faces more than just the two faces right here. It's awesome. Look at all of you. Okay, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just move this just a little bit. Hold on. All right. So we are in our third week of our disciple series, uh, and I am loving it. And I say that every time I get up here. I think I do say, I love the series that we're in right now. Uh, but I think God's doing something really incredible this year, that every uh, series that we complete and then in the next one we start, we just continue to build. Um, that they're not like we're jumping all over the place. They literally are building blocks. And so as we continue to, to build on what we've learned week over week and we discuss them in our D groups in midweek, we really are going on an incredible journey as a community this year. So I am excited to be doing week three of our Disciples series. Uh, and tonight we are going to be talking about salt and light. And I'll tell you, when, when uh, Aaron said, that's your week, I was a little bit like, really? And then I got upset because I was like, well, we could spend a whole day on only salt. And he said, baby, don't have that much time. You got to do both of them. And I was like, okay. Um, so it's three hours long. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's not three hours long. I promise you that. Uh, but we've got two main texts that we're going to look at tonight. So the first one, if you want to turn to it in your Bibles, is Matthew 28. Uh, and then it's going to be verse 18, and then you can flip back a couple of chapters to Matthew 5 and put your finger there. But we're going to first start in Matthew 28, and this is our um, kind of the, the text for the series as a whole, and then we've got some teaching texts that we'll jump into. So Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given authority in heaven and on earth, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, here's where we're jumping into today. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Teach them the commands I have given you. So the vision for this series is this. It's that we would learn to be and help others to become true followers of Jesus, true followers of Jesus, a disciple of Christ in belief and practice, in belief and practice, because I actually believe that we are not an actual disciple of Jesus, and you can come fight me in the parking lot afterwards on this one if you think I'm wrong, but I don't actually think we're being discipled or discipling someone if we are not believing and practicing together. It's a together, right? So in, in the fitness world, I talk about this like I'm a professional. I live with one. Um, I can say that I want to eat healthy and I'm really healthy because when you eat all of this healthy food, your body would be healthy. But I don't actually practice eating healthy food. 
I continue to eat my Taco Bell that I love so much and candy. But I talk about when you eat healthy food, your body functions really well. Or I can practice eating healthy. And you know what? I might see more results than if I'm just talking about it. But if I don't actually believe that this um, practice is good for me, I might not keep it up for a long time because I don't have anything to base it on. But when they come together, you have something really powerful. And the same is true for our discipleship. A disciple of Christ in belief and practice. And so the Sermon on the Mount, which is what we're going to be looking at tonight in Matthews 5, 6, and 7. I'm not reading all of those. Don't worry. But that's kind of like the text for our teaching this series. That's where we find this pattern of bringing heaven to earth. And we just sang that tonight. Let's bring heaven to earth. So this is where we can find a concentrated set of teachings on what did he command us to do? So the question, well, actually, I want to read to um, quotes. I was losing the word there in my mind. So Pastor Aaron, I think this was in the first week. He shared a couple of quotes. Another text that we are using for this series is a book called Disciple by our global senior pastor, Pastor Phil Pringle. Um, and some of the quotes from this text I want to bring back to our message tonight. The first one is this, the church is not just a religious organization. Real church is disciples living out the kingdom of God together. It's not just a structure. It's not just a corporation, but it's actual people, disciples living out the kingdom of God together. It's not a place that you come to, but it's people that live among us every day. And the next one is this. A disciple lives by disciplines, not feelings. Let that one just sink in for us today in our time and everyone that we probably come in contact with at work every single day. We live by disciplines, not feelings, people. This is a disciple of Christ, a learner, a follower of the Son of God. All right. So the question that we posed last week, and we're going to be kind of answering this one over the next couple of weeks as we journey through the text, is this. What are the commands that he instructs us to teach, and where do we find them? So he said, go into all the world teach them the commands I have given you. Well, how do we know what to teach if we don't know where to find what we're supposed to teach? We're going to look tonight in Matthew chapter 5, uh, and we're going to go from there. So you can actually look through the first four books of the gospel, which is, or of the New Testament, which are the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there are probably sprinkled teachings throughout all of those books. But there is a concentrated set of teachings here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and that's where we've taken the text for this series. And my prayer today is that you would be equipped, you would be encouraged, maybe you would even feel empowered to not only be a disciple, but then disciple other people. And I want to stop right here because now that the lights are on, I can see some of your faces. And you might be thinking, oh, okay, um, I don't know if this message is for me. I'm, I'm okay with signing up to go, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'm okay to be a disciple. You can, you know, make me a little bit uncomfortable, and I'll, I'll um, you know, I'll be a disciple of Jesus, but I don't know if I'm qualified to disciple somebody else. I don't know if I signed up for that. I don't know that I can go and talk to people about Jesus and, and do all of these things. I don't know if I'm called to do that. Okay, well, yes, you all are, because when we say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you, come into my life, he says, wonderful, now go find someone else. Go teach them. 
the early church was not like all of these um, pastors and leaders of an organization that were professional. They were just two days saved longer than the person they just met. They're like, I'm still figuring this out, but let's figure it out together. You might be tempted. You know what? Jesus knows you. He knows you. He knows me. He knows how we're made up. He knows that I'm not going to disciple someone the same way that Pastor Aaron does, the same way that Elise does, the same way that Amy does. He knows that I'm going to reach somebody that they can't, and they're going to reach somebody that I can't. So he doesn't want us to all copy-paste, lead the same way. He's going, no, 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 I know exactly who you are. I know exactly what you've been through, and you are exactly qualified to come in contact with the people that I'm going to put in your world. So don't go thinking you got to go changing just to be this, just to disciple, just to do it. And I truly, truly believe that if we every day try our absolute best to practice the patterns that we're learning in these series, that we're studying on our own, and we go, Jesus, I am living every day to the best of my ability to follow you, then on the days that we get it wrong, because let's be honest, there's going to be days that we all get it wrong. Maybe we say something to somebody we shouldn't, and there's a day that we get it wrong. I honestly believe that that is when his grace and his mercy fills those gaps. Because we're trying our hardest, and we're doing our best, and we're saying, God, you got to speak through me. you got to guide me. So if I'm doing my best, I trust that you fill in the rest. Okay, so last week, Pastor Aaron talked out of Matthew 5, the first part of it, which was the Beatitudes, this series of statements that describe these beautiful attitudes uh, or, or a life that is patterning, patterning itself after Jesus. And so the statement started with things like this, blessed are those, maybe blessed are they, if you read the King James Version, or Another way to say that is happy are those. But Jesus then takes and crowns these statements, these beatitudes with these two statements, and he's shifting the focus of this general message. Blessed are those. I mean, I can imagine him sitting up on the mountain. Maybe he's like in a little crook so his voice echoes because, you know, he didn't have his microphone with him that day. And he's sitting where it would echo, and he's just giving out these general statements of blessed are those, happy are they who. And then he shifts the focus of his message from this general conversation to something very specific. And we pick up here in Matthew 5, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt. He went from they just general conversations to now he's making eye contact with all of you just like I am right now. And he said, but you are the salt of the earth. If the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And then he said, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket Rather, they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Okay, so back to verse 13. You, who? You, 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 everyone I can see. You are the salt of the earth. 
You're the salt of the earth. This might sound really weird. Again, another weird thing that we say. You're the salt of the earth. And you know, I'm sure people, you're all thinking, you salty, bro? At the end of this, you're going to be glad that you are. This might sound odd, but in Jesus' time, salt was very, very valuable. Salt was valuable. Today, we have it on every table in every restaurant. We get little paper packets of it to put on our French fries. And what do we do with the leftover packets? We just take them and throw them in the trash. But salt was so valuable and hard to come by back in Jesus' time that Roman soldiers were paid a part of their wage with a bag of salt. They were given part of their wage. Here's some money, some gold coins. I would take some gold coins over a bag of salt. But they're like, a bag of salt, this is so rare and so valuable. They were paid part of their wage in this. It was called a salarium, and it's where we get our word salary from. They were paid in salt. Have you ever smelled rotting meat? Like, it's not a good smell. There was no form of refrigeration until the 17th century, so the only way to preserve meat... The only way to preserve food was to rub it with salt or soak it in some sort of salt solution. It was a preserving agent. And the book of Revelation and the book of Isaiah tell us the story of Lucifer, or who we now know as Satan. And he's an angel of God. He's the director of all of heaven's music. Like, music came out of his body. That sounds absolutely amazing and weird all at the same time. But what happens is pride creeps in, and he starts to feel like, well, I don't know. I mean, music comes out of my body. This is amazing. And he wants to kind of make himself equal with his creator. So he gets some of his angel buddies, and he's like, we're going to go ascend the throne of heaven and, like, be equal with God, if not, take over. Like, we're going to stage a coup. And this breaks God's heart so much, and he's so disappointed that he kicks him out of heaven and banishes him here to earth in his domain. This is his domain now. And so when Jesus is telling these people here in the sermon that you are the salt of the earth, they're familiar with the teaching in Isaiah. They've heard this read before, and they're hearing, you have been sent to preserve the earth. You are valuable. You are needed because we live in a dying, decaying, and rotting world, and we need you here to preserve it. We need you to bring flavor. We need you to bring seasoning, but we need you to preserve this earth. You are the salt of the earth. You are here to preserve it. You have the properties, the makeup to preserve the earth. Pure salt cannot lose its saltiness. It cannot lose its saltiness. The only way for salt to lose its saltiness is for it to absorb impurities. So let me ask this question. Are we retaining our saltiness? Are we finding ourselves absorbing the impurities of the world around us? Because Jesus teaches in John chapters 15 and 17 that we live in this world, but we're not made up of the same stuff that the world's made up of. We don't have the same chemical component. We have the preserving properties. But when we start to absorb what's around us, we start to lose our preserving properties. So are we staying salty? Or are we losing our flavor? Have you ever been outside in the middle of the night? 
like in the middle of the night. And it's really dark. Like maybe, I don't know, I said two in the morning, but maybe it's, I know it's always darkest before the dawn. So whenever it's the darkest, have you ever been outside? You can't see anything. But now imagine that it's a full moon. You can see everything. It lights up the night sky. In Matthew 5, 14, it says, you, who? You, you can say it back, you, me, are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. But here's the crazy thing. The moon doesn't make its own light. The sun and the billions of the stars in our galaxy, they all have the ability to create light. They're all stars. They all generate their own light. But the moon simply reflects off of its surface, its volcanoes, its craters. It reflects the light of the sun. Are we reflecting the light of the sun? Just as the moon does, we're meant to reflect the light of Jesus living inside us. That's not grabbing a megaphone and standing outside the concert venue, screaming out revelation and judgment at people as they come out. But what it is, is telling people what God's done in your world. And it can be something so small. Like I woke up this morning and I was feeling frustrated. And then I just started telling God, God, I feel frustrated and I don't know why. But I know that you are joy. So I just want you to come and be joy in my life. And two hours later, all of a sudden, you realize you're not frustrated? Tell somebody, God brought joy into my world today. Maybe you are desperately crying out for God for a miracle in your life, and you see it come to pass. Part of your miracle, part of your obedience to your miracle, is for you to tell somebody else about it. God continues to complete our miracles when we tell other people about them. He continues to bring them to pass. He continues to open more doors and do more things when we keep telling people what he's doing in our lives. But when we go, oh, I'm shut up inside, I'm not telling anyone because it's embarrassing, they're going to think I'm weird. Then we start to feel dry and we start to absorb the impurities instead of telling people about what he's done. We got to live our life in pursuit of Jesus no matter what. See, here's the thing that I love so much. Jesus doesn't tell us to become salt or light. He's not like, hey, guys, go out and figure out how you can get saltiness. Drink a bunch of ocean water and you'll figure it out. He says you are salt and light. He already tells us that we are. He's already given that. Just as anybody in this room that is a parent, on the day that your baby is born, you know that they're probably going to do something to disappoint you or frustrate you in your life, but you love them already so much, no matter what, they already are your pride and joy. They already are your favorite kid. Every single one of them is your favorite kid, and you love them so much. You're not like, well, go figure out how to be my kid. Go figure out how to make me happy. They already do. You are my child. I am pleased in you. And then he goes on to tell us that we were created to stand out, to be seen, which I know some of you are already thinking, oh, no, I don't want to be center stage. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be seen. 
but he creates us to be that way. And whether it's one person, a hundred or a thousand, people see you and they're watching your life. The message version says this in Matthew 5 and verse 14. It says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you in a light stand. Now that I've put you there, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. See, God could have shouted down from heaven how much he loved us. He could have been like, I see you down there, Amy. You're making me so proud. I just wish you knew how much I love you. Screaming. But instead, he sent his son to come and live among us, to teach us, to show us how to be this light, this city on a hill that can be seen by others. He came to earth to teach and model. He lived a life that was for people. And that doesn't mean like literally having no hopes and dreams of your own and just always putting yourself out for everyone else, but it means being willing to see people, being willing to be intentional. He included them in all that he did, and he made himself available to teach always. Here's another quote for you. Making disciples means I commit myself to relationships that influence others for Christ. That does not mean, I'm going to read it one more time, even though you can read it on the screen. Making disciples means I commit myself to relationships that influence others for Christ. That does not mean that just because I want to be friends with all of you, or Elise wants to be friends with all of you, or Steve wants to be friends with all of you, or anyone else in this room wants to be friends with all of you, that we're doing it because Jesus told us to. We actually do want to all be friends with each other. Yeah. We actually do want to be friends with each other. But what it means is that now I'm living with this intentionality that everything I do should point you to Jesus. Am I living in a way that opens myself up to you on the days that you just might need an extra hug, on a day that somebody just needs a helping hand, a shoulder? Am I living a life that's pointing someone else to Jesus? To see, it doesn't mean that my relationship with Elise is now, okay, Elise, I'm having my friendship time with you because I'm intentionally being your friend. It means within my own self, I'm being intentional to live in a way that would continue to show someone who Jesus is. I love that it said um, that we're here to bring out the God colors of the world. I love studying about all different kinds of personalities um, and, and learning how we all function together because I think 
that this is a way that God truly helps us see how incredibly vast he is and how we will never understand fully his character until we're in heaven. Because every single one of us in this room is supposed to reflect the light of Jesus. But again, remember, he knows who you are. He knows who I am. He's created you to be exactly who you are and for me to be exactly who I am. So everything we reflect while it's all love, while it's all acceptance and mercy and grace and the love of Jesus and truth, it all comes across just a little bit differently. And we see how beautiful, how beautiful he is. See, here it is. When we live as salt and light, people won't start saying, oh, look how awesome you are. You're just doing so great. Look, isn't that person great? We want to be just like them. But it said at the end of verse 16, by opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God. See, my job isn't to be Jesus for you. I will fail you in the first five minutes. But my job is to take your hand and lead you to him and then put your hand in his but I'm going to fill that gap until you can put your hand in his hand. And that's what we're all called to do, is grab somebody by the hand so that we are constantly living this life with one hand forward, pulling ourselves closer to Jesus, and one hand back that we would always be pulling somebody along with us. See, we're called to do a couple of things. We're called to preserve people. I don't know about you, but I am sure that we can all think of a time in our life that we were just struggling. We are hurt. Maybe our faith is rocky. Our heart was broken. We were discouraged. And here comes a friend. Here comes somebody out of the blue that just wants to pray with us, that wants to encourage us. Maybe it's a practical thing like a new mom that's just struggling to take a nap and do the laundry and empty the dishwasher and someone comes over and says, let me help you with that. In those moments, we're preserving people. We're preserving their faith. We're preserving their hope. We're called to preserve people. We're called to reflect the light of God. How is my life? Do I have a light and I'm hiding it under a basket because I'm just nervous I'm going to get it wrong? Let me tell you what, we all will. But it's okay. He doesn't want us to not try. It's when we don't try and we just live that those around us see the incredible love of God. And we're called to live lives that create these along-the-way moments. And I'm sure you've heard me talk about that before, but Jesus' ministry, while we know that he went and taught in synagogues and in cities, we don't really read about those. We read about the the along-the-way moments because it's between town to town that life happens, that people came in his way. He was willing to be interrupted. He saw humanity along the way by living life, coming alongside, And when we live life in that same way, we're given opportunities to show that love of Jesus, to offer words of encouragement. 
You know, when we were church planting in California, we had, uh, London was five months when we moved, and then we were like, you know, really smart and decided to have another baby 15 months later because you're not busy when you're church planting, so you should just keep having kids. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to have coffees with people without my kids because we're the only people we know. And everyone I'm meeting that would be my babysitter is the person that I'm trying to also spend time with and build relationship with. So I always felt like, God, I'm doing this wrong because I'd call them and go, I want to hang out with you, but I have to go to Target. Do you want to come? I have to go to the grocery store. Do you want to come with me? I have to buy some things to get ready for church on Sunday. Do you want to tag along? Partly it was because I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to handle two kids in the store by myself. Maybe the crazy mom. So they were helping me. And I always thought, God, I feel like I'm taking such advantage of them. And I'm telling you, year after year after year, they'd all come back and say, we love how you just included us in your life, how you just brought us along. And remember when we had that conversation about this and you prayed with me about that, and it was those along-the-way moments of our lives that we just include people and allow them to be a part. I have one more story here as we get ready to close tonight. It's not in my notes, but as I was getting ready for service today, I just started praying, and this story just kept coming back, and as I keep trying to push it out of my mind, it keeps coming back. So say what you want about Will Smith. I know. Um, But he wrote a, let's call it a memoir-ish book right before he got wild. And... He tells a story in this book, so I don't know if any of y'all have read it, and I wish I could just find just the story, but I couldn't, couldn't find it quickly. He tells a story about being a child, having two parents that work full-time jobs, and his grandma lives in the same town, and she's a nurse, so she works the night shifts, mom and dad work during the day, and they all take turns taking care of the kids. So Nana, her name is Gigi, Gigi stays with him during the day. And he tells this story about being, I don't know, five or six years old, and he's sitting on the front steps with Gigi, and this homeless woman is walking by. And she says, excuse me, what's your name? And the lady says, my name is Clara. She's a little bit shocked that someone's speaking to her. And she says, Clara, how are you? Can I make you lunch? Would you come on in? And Will is freaking out. He's a small child, like, who is this woman that you're bringing into our house and you're making her lunch? And she says, Clara, let me take your clothes. Let me wash them for you. Let me give you new clothes from her closet. And Will's like, what, what is she doing? Gigi is a nurse, remember I said. Will said, it was the craziest thing to watch, but the most beautiful thing to see. That Gigi saw this woman, and in that moment, she preserved someone's hope, someone's faith. She was salt to a little boy. She was light to a little boy. She was light to a woman who probably felt invisible, 
And I remember reading that going, oh my gosh, well, I'm not going to find a homeless person walking down my street, so what am I going to do? Where do I go find one so that I can wash their clothes? And then I remembered that was Gigi's gift. She's a nurse. She's a caregiver. She is gifted at caring for people. God sees me, and he sees who I am and knows what I can do. So, Lord, just as you put Clara in Gigi's path, put a Clara in my path today. Who can I be salt and light to? Sometimes when it seems so easy, like that can't be it, God, that is it. Sometimes it feels like we need a lot of courage to do it or we need a lot of boldness. But most of the time, you're going to ask yourself, was that it? Was that the moment? Because it comes natural to you. God's not asking you to go be somebody that you're not, to, to bring his good news and to be salt and light. He's asking you to be exactly who you are. So tonight as we close, I'd love for you to just first stand with me, then you can close your eyes. But as we close tonight, maybe you're just in this place of like, gosh, that sounds so great. I would love to be salt. I would love to know that I could help preserve somebody in my life or I could help be light and bring a little bit of joy or encouragement, but I don't even know that I don't know that I know I am salt and light. I don't know that I've ever said yes to Jesus. So I'm going to pray with us once, but I'm going to ask a couple of questions. So maybe that's you. The first question is, you have never said yes to a personal relationship with Jesus. You feel like you have, or maybe you've just grown up in a family that goes to church, but you're like, well, I guess by default, but you've never said, God, I want to be salt and light. I want you to be my Lord. Or maybe you'd have, and along the way, you know, life, life happens and we feel distant. We've stepped off track and we go, God, tonight's the night I want to come back. And lastly, this might be one we can all respond to, is that we want to today intentionally start living as salt and light. Because maybe that just sounded like something that was for the people who were knighted, ordained, given permission to stand on the stage or go be missionaries across the earth. Not for the person that just sits in the seat every Sunday. It's for every single one of us that called Jesus our Lord. He has said, go, teach them, be salt and be light. So today you want to intentionally start living as salt and light to those around you. I'm going to pray tonight, and then at the end, if that's you, I would love for you, any one of those who said yes to Jesus in any way, or you've said, yes, I'm intentionally living as salt and light, I would love to hug you, to pray with you again, to shake your hand. But tonight, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, that you were willing to give your son as a ransom for each and every one of us 
to fill in the gaps on our shortcomings, God. So tonight, for those of us that said, yes, Lord, I want a relationship with you, God, I pray that you would come into our hearts, that you would forgive us, Lord, that you would wash us clean, that you would make us new, and help us starting today to live as your son or your daughter, knowing that we don't have to earn the status of salt and light, but you told us we already are salt and light, God. And I pray, Lord, for those of us who raised our hand, saying, I want to intentionally live as salt and light. Lord, that today we would feel empowered, we would feel encouraged, we would know that you have placed us on this earth for a purpose. And that is simply to speak your truth, to speak what you have done for us, to live every day practicing your patterns. Lord, and as we do that, that reflects the light of your Son. So God, I pray that as we wake up every morning, you would help us to intentionally, in an awareness, know that we are living as salt and light. That we would be aware of those around us, God. That we would live open lives. Not for us to receive the glory, Lord, but for you to receive the glory. So that as we open up to others, Lord, they would open up with you. And we would continue to take their hand from ours and place it into your hand, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you have called us salt and light. That you have created us each for a purpose. And you have placed us exactly where you want us to be. In Jesus' name.